When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenge Podcast. Once again, joined by my friend Jakub. Uh, there's some renovation work uh, being done in the adjacent room, so we might hear some noise from time to time. Hopefully, it's not going to be too irritating. You might also uh, hear some coughing again, uh, like last time. Uh, get used to it. And yeah, we we will start this time with one retirement, right? Yes, and it is Matteo Viola, age 35, hanging up his racket. Uh, obviously, he's not been much of a force on the on the Challenger Tour in, in recent years, uh, especially this season. I think he had uh, two wins. Uh, but he is a, a past champion three times, uh, winning tournaments in uh, Biela in 2014, Yokohama in 2012, and Guayaquil in 2011 uh yeah do you think we'll remember Matteo Viola for for anything uh as as he says goodbye to that is I mean for us he wasn't really much of a force on the tour uh, of course he yeah. still made a couple of finals in 2019 but he lost them both super easily uh but I I will definitely remember the the time he beat Andy Murray in a challenger event which was pretty crazy yeah. Uh, Mallorca 2019, which was his last final, by the way, Mateo Violas. Uh, and Mare came out, beat Imran Sibyl. Obviously, you know, that, that was a short match, but then he beat Gombos in the second round. And everyone thought that Mare was going to win this event. And yeah, he ran into Mateo Viola in the third round. And Mateo Viola won that match, which was uh, a pretty crazy upset. Maybe, maybe, maybe not really considering Mare was coming back after. Well, that, that was after he basically retired at the beginning of the year but still uh yeah. it was it was a bit of a shock and definitely the match i think of when i think of Matteo Fiola yeah I, that's that's what he'll be remembered for even though i momentarily forgot there that he actually did that <laughs> uh but yeah definitely the biggest achievement of his career um yeah but we're also going to have, uh, have Kei Nishikori play some challengers which is fun that it just sort of popped into my mind I spoke about Andy Murray another big name uh I'm looking forward to it as I was there when he last sort of dropped down to the challengers uh back in Newport Beach obviously he lost first round there uh I think it was Denis Novikov Denis Novikov yeah but then he won the next the event after that uh beating yeah, Novikov yeah. in the first round again yeah <laughs> I, I I believe in Dallas Dallas, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 very I'm very excited to see uh Kinishkari. We'll also be getting Hyun Chung. So it's exciting times on the Challenger Tour coming up for sure. Yeah, and six events, uh tennis almost 24 uh, hours a day. Yeah. Uh let's start with the tournament that didn't finish this week. Okay. Uh and that was uh the tournament in Charleston, which had to be unfortunately cancelled due to the Hurricane Ian. Uh, as it ripped through uh, Florida and, and sort of North America at large. 
Uh, so the players were all given points and prize money for rounds reached. Uh, there wasn't any sort of further divvying up of the remaining prize money uh, or whatnot. Uh, one result that did stand out to me as they sort of got halfway through the second rounds was Donald Young's quarterfinal as a qualifier. Uh, his first one since April 2019 on the Challenge Tour uh, back in Monterey back then. He beat Langmo, Clark, Omni Kumar, and Govin Nanda. Uh, any thoughts on Young in his quarterfinal here? Yeah, I mean, not not the toughest draw, of course, but I think he played his best tennis in a while, for sure. Yeah. Just uh, moving the ball around the court very, very well with that forehand. Uh, and um, yeah, I think in a way, he kind of shook the, the balance of the universe. And that's why the hurricane came as well. Because the, the universe was like, no, we cannot allow Donald Young to win a challenger title in 2022. And and yeah. <laughs> Basically, I, I, I don't think he was winning this anyway, of course, but uh, that's, that's just a joke. But still, you know, it, it was quite shocking to see Donald Young win four matches in a row, whatever the level was, because th this really hasn't been achieved by him in a while. I think he had an ITF semi uh, a couple years back or maybe last year, but uh, yeah, as you said, Monterey 2019 <laughs> was his last uh, challenger quarterfinal. So uh, a, yeah, and and it was also a semi. So, uh, so, so it was his last challenger quarterfinal f almost over three years ago. So pretty wild. And that guy was in the top 50 back in the day. Yeah, yeah, and I mean his results in the main draw were were pretty wild with the two six six yeah. two six one over Kumara, one six six two six two over Nanda. Um, yeah, do you think that we will see Donald Young reach a quarterfinal again on the Challenger Tour? <laughs> he just beat Kumar in 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 Tiburon Quali, so there is some chance for it. But you know, yeah, not not every day you get to reach a quarterfinal beating Kumar and Nanda. Nanda is of course pretty decent, but. Uh, I mean, Kumar hasn't established himself at the challenger level yet. So, yeah, it's unlikely, probably. All right. And with that, I think we can move on to the tournaments that did finish. We have three events to Orléans, where it was the biggest one, a 125 won by Gregor Barrer, who prevented you from getting a point there uh, with his win over Quentin Alice, 4 6 6 3 6 4, his fourth challenger title. Uh, first one says March 2019 in Lille, uh, and he has broken his streak of five straight finals losses on the Challenger Tour. Uh, on his run here, he beat Damir Jumhur, Matan Fuchovic, Richard Gasquet, who was my pick for the title, uh, who actually won the first at 6 1, uh, and then Ugo Gaston in the semis before beating Alice. So, quite a strong run. Up 37 spots, number 116, number nine in the Challenger race. What did you think of Gregor Barrer this week? Yeah, the, the the draw was pretty absurd, honestly. Jumhur Fusovic, Gasquet, Gaston, Alice. These players might not be at the peak of their abilities right now, but they're still names that you know mean something to even to people who don't watch challengers on a daily basis. They've all been main tour players at some point of their careers. Well, Alice maybe just the last couple of months, but still. And then maybe he wasn't even doing so hot. Uh, but yeah, but I, uh, I'm pretty surprised that he's in the top 10 of the challenger race, but it kind of makes sense. He He's had a quietly very good year. He's close to making his way back to the to the top 100. 
uh, obviously a, a fantastic player indoors, especially with the way he, he takes the ball early. I think he was the stronger player throughout the final, but he had this uh, tendency and he, he kind of has it all the time, actually, uh, to, well, have an advantageous position in the rally and just totally wasted with a lousy error. I think it's some something connected to you know lack of focus, lack of concentration. But he he still he managed to work his uh, you know, work it out somehow and and take the final. Also, pretty interesting fun fact is that he out of his eleven challenger finals, ten have been in France, uh, which obviously is related to the fact that there's a lot of indoor hardcores there. But that's not not the only place where indoor hardcourts are in the world, and yet he somehow only made one final uh, on outdoor hardcourts in Pozoblanco. Yeah, that is very interesting. Uh, let's talk about our finals that we had. Quentin Alvis, his fifteenth challenger final. He's five and ten in those finals now. Uh, his sixth of the season, number two in the race, uh, overtook Constant uh, Stien to to get back to number two there. Uh, his run was a lot uh, weaker, it's fair to say, I think, beating Nerman Fatic, getting retirement from Heis Brauer in the second round, then beating Furness and Andreev. Uh, but he still moves up 10 spots, number 74 in the rankings. What did you think of Alice? Did you think you were getting a point this week? Um, at the beginning, perhaps, uh, I guess before the final, I was. And especially when he took the first set. Uh, but I can't really, you know, I have to be pretty happy about how this panned out. Uh, he definitely had the easier draw out of the two, so it allowed him to play himself into form because it wasn't pretty uh, in the in the first set against Fatic, for example. Uh, but yeah, he he just he just managed to get some some rhythm going. Maybe it will help him, uh, you know, in the in the next couple of months. I think he's going to play Cap Muller on Captif as well next week. Uh, but probably gonna try some uh, indoor ATP event as well until the end of the year. So, yeah, he he signed up for Antwerp, Naples, and Stockholm, and an alternate for everything. But maybe, maybe, but you know, he's like in the top ten of alternates for all three events. So uh, maybe this will help him uh, get some form going and then finally do something at the ATP level. Because honestly, the the summer he was pretty. Yeah, I, I didn't realize it was that bad. Like he had one main tour win, I think, in Wimbledon. And uh, no, Newport and Wimbledon. He had a couple of of main tour victories only, and they were over Ben Wapper and Alexei Popirin. So he he really bounced off that level, sort of. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean he'll he'll certainly get a bit of a, a chance, like in Australia. Uh, but then the start, then, then the points do start dropping off after that. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how he how he deals with that situation. Uh, as far as semifinalists, we had Hugo Gaston, the second seed, uh, reaching the, the, his second semifinal in three weeks. Here, uh, he beat Daniel Masur, Joris Delor, and Sok in the quarterfinals. What did you think of him this week? Yeah, another guy who's had a very dire year when it comes to being on the main tour. And like he, he had a couple of decent runs, of course, like Ran Garros, like Miami, where he won a couple of matches, but a lot of first round exits as well. But when he when he actually dropped down to the challenger level, he's been very competitive, and that's that's probably good to see. 
if you uh, well if you from Gaston's perspective that he he can still go deep in challengers he actually still hasn't won one yet uh which is obviously very surprising but he had four finals last year if memory serves right so it's it's uh at one point he probably will get there if uh you know it, it's it's definitely refreshing that even after a series of terrible uh, round one exits on the main tour he can still drop down here and you know, make some noise even if not win one of them and these were very strong draws in in Ren and Orléans yeah and the other semi-finals who definitely made some noise uh this week was Adrian Andreev uh he made back-to-back semi-finals after last week in in Genoa uh, different surfaces as well, but uh, I think everybody knew about him this week because of his because Grant and Mute. He also he also beat Mute in in back to back weeks, uh, but this time a lot more incident as there was you know pushing and shoving uh, after after the handshake. I, I, I think the umpire came down to separate it at, at one point. Uh, Mute posted something about how he was swearing at him. Uh, a couple of times throughout the match um yeah what did you think of that and then his week overall yeah uh, there's a lot of things to cover it's a very loaded question but yeah um andreev got his third uh top 100 win in back-to-back weeks uh which is it's a pretty crazy achievement honestly uh, yeah. for for a player who only had one before that uh done and it was against an injured Lloyd Harris in Singapore at the, the ATP 250. Uh but uh yeah I I am I've definitely been super impressed with how he's uh handled himself the past few weeks uh getting a quarter and then a couple of semifinals is huge for him in these in these very tough draws as well and also as we as we mentioned last week just jumping from surface to surface uh, but but, but it, it's a choice, but it's been working out for him. He's definitely been trying to be uh, more aggressive. Uh, the, the match against Mute was actually awesome again. And, uh, well, it, it's, it's a shame that it's only going to be remembered for this, maybe. Uh, but it's also one of the few times when challengers make headlines in, like, international sports news. Uh, for all the wrong reasons, of course, but still. Uh, I think that they're also probably going to face some fines, especially Mute, I suppose, because he's the one who sort of started going physical at, at Andreev. Uh, even uh, maybe the, you know, you know Mute claimed that uh, he basically said a few to him a few times, which if maybe the umpire heard, maybe that maybe the, maybe there's going to be some punishment for, for Andreev as well. I don't know. Uh, but it's it also might be a story that cannot really be proven. Uh, the, the umpire was actually Polish, and I I don't think he travels that the challenger tour that much. Like I've seen him at, at a lot of Polish events, uh, but I rarely see him umpiring like international challengers. Maybe I just don't pay much attention. But here, even at the beginning of the match, I I noticed him, and I was oh he he got a he got a nice match in um, in a, in a great challenger. That's fantastic. And then, yeah, I'm not sure if he was actually lucky or unlucky to to be a part of all this. Uh, it's it's probably gonna bring him some recognition in the in the umpire circles as well because, but you know, uh, this is this is a match and a situation that everyone is going to be looking at also in terms of his influence, like whether he whether he could have done something, whether he did 
did it well at the at the end. I guess you know you, you can't really say that he did something wrong in the in the last few minutes. Mute Andre and Andreev were already hostile to each other in Genoa, so uh, it only went on since then. I think they they both have uh, a, quite a lot a bit of a temper, and yeah, it's just not a good mix, especially when the match is so dramatic. Yeah, I should also mention that Andrei Edgar wins over Ramanathan in the first round and Gombos in the quarterfinals before losing to Alice. <coughs> I think we can go to the doubles where we have the top seeds, Nicola Mahout and Edward Roger Vasselin, uh, win their first challenger title together since Bordeaux in 2010, hmm. which is a little statistic. Uh, they've been playing together for, for a long time, sort of on and off. Um, the 19th challenger title for Mahout, the 16th challenger title for Roger Vasan, and they beat uh, Het and Mansouri, who were playing their first tournament together in the final. It's actually pretty crazy that they, they have as ma- this many challengers, right? Yeah, you'd think that these guys just play main tour for the past 20 years or something. But I, I, I guess they were, you know, back when they were still playing... Uh, in the, their singles careers, that that's yeah. when they were also playing doubles challengers because for the most part they were like fringe ATP challenger players. So, yeah, for the most of the career, for sure. We move on to uh, Lisbon, where Marco Cecchinato beat Luca Van Ash six three six three for a sixth challenger title. Uh, first one is March twenty uh, twenty eighteen in Santiago. On his run. <laughs> Michalski, Gianluca Mager, Carlos Tabener, and Timofey Skatov did not drop a single set. Uh, he gets to move up 23 spots, number 114 in the rankings. What did you think of Cecchinato this week? He's really turned his season around beautifully because if you remember to how it started, he was 0 for 11 until May. <laughs> and it, it was only like two... I think it was only two challengers, so it was also related to playing at the higher level. But still, he, he's now getting wins super consistently. He's actually back to a positive win rate for the year. And mm-hmm. I think it's been coming, you know. He he had a, he had three semifinals <laughs> up until this point. Uh, lost a tight one to Kachin, lost in three to Arias Imer, and also had that terrible choke against Pavel Kotov. Uh, yeah, so it's nice that he made up for it uh, ten, 10 sets in a row. Michalski's loss now doesn't look that bad. <laughs> yeah, but it, you know, the, the difference in class there was un- unfortunately very show, very telling and very, you know, it showed a lot. Uh, but yeah, uh, Chakinato was just hitting very crisp up until uh, up to a point where he didn't even need to like go for the drop shot or anything. He could just play tennis from the baseline and just hit the ball and it was still working out because he was playing so well this week. Yeah, Kinata certainly was in very nice form. I remember quite deep in the second set, uh, he hit this wonderful backhand passing um, passing shot once uh, Van Ash came up to the, the net. Uh, yeah, he, he did schedule a lot of main tour in the beginning, but like the losses were to Puccinelli da Almeida in Rio, uh, Popco in Buenos Aires. Uh, there was one to Purcell in, in Estoril. And he yeah. was winless until mid-May. Uh, so for him to go and turn it around like this is certainly, certainly impressive. Uh, as for a finalist, it was Luca Van Asch, his first challenger final. 
after making his first semifinal uh, earlier this season in June in Blois. This week, he beat Santillan, Faria, Orandio in a third set tiebreak. Uh, then Gastel Elias, who had just pulled off a win over Pocacin. Uh, then Muller, uh, a retirement from Misolic. He moves up 58 spots, number 231. What did you think of Anash? Yeah, uh, he also beat Miller in the quarterfinals and it was Miller who stopped him in that uh, blue semi. Yeah, uh, th- there's been some improvement, of course. Physic- physically, it's going to be very hard for Luka Vanash to uh, progress to somewhere you know, where, where he can play main tour events and win matches in them. But, you know, it's it's good signs for the future, definitely, this week. I, I didn't even realize he was coming from the qualifying draw, honestly. That's probably going to be over for him soon with the with the new ranking of about 230. It's also going to let him, well, probably let him play Australian Open qualifying if the cutoff isn't as low as it was at the at the US Open this year. But, you know, he still has a couple of months to make up for the points and he's also comfortable indoors, uh, fairly comfortable indoors at least. So that should also help him. Uh, I liked how he was like sort of trying to match checking out of space in the final. It was probably the right call, though it didn't work out on the day because checking out was just just too strong for him. Yeah, uh, we should talk about our semifinals as well. Timofey Skatov here with back-to-back semifinals in in Portugal, finding some nice form this week. He beat Roca Bataya. Uh, then Passaro in a funky six-one-five-seven-six-one uh, match. Then he beat Benapair 7-5 in the third in the quarterfinals before losing to Cecchinato in two tight sets. What did you think of Skatov this week? Yeah, I'd say all his matches were a bit funky this week, maybe outside of the, the Cecchinato one. But yeah, as he said, in, in his last four challengers, he's made three semifinals. Maybe he hasn't exactly threatened to win one. I guess Braga could sort of count because he was 6-3, 3-0 up on Moreno de Alboran. And then would have played Puccino Lida Almeida in the final, but that was definitely the weakest of the of the four. Uh, but but still, to to make a, to make three semifinals in a row, uh, I mean not not in a row, but in in four events played after how for most of the season he's been also in pretty tragic form, not counting Australia and not counting uh, Rosetto degli Abruzzi, that's also huge for the guy. Yeah, and our other semifinalist was Filip Misolic, uh, who unfortunately they had to retire after the first set to Luka Manash, uh, which was a real shame because it finally looked like he was getting some form again. After the Kidsville final, he hadn't really done much. Since then, last week, made a quarter final, but the wins weren't really on the higher <laughs> level. Or Chodinsky and Molokar there, both in three sets. This week, he started with a straight set win over Pellegrino, Came back from a sit down to Kopshiva and beat Sapieri 6 4 6 4 before having to retire. What did you think of Misolic this week? Yeah, I think he was also struggling a bit against Yonel in Sibiu. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he's just been not not held, not 100% fit and it's stopping him from um, achieving something again. But but yeah, he's he's gonna get there, you know. The 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 wins he actually got in Lisbon were very solid, beating Pellegrino, Copriva, and Zapieri in a row. That's that's definitely the toughest draw that any of the four uh, any of the four semifinalists had up until that point. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and in the doubles, we had Stenikolaj and Goncalo Oliveira uh, win their first title together <laughs> after reaching two finals uh, back in 2018, but losing uh, for Stenikolaj, his 17th uh, challenger doubles title for Oliveira, his 12th, and they beat Manafov Prihotko, who have been sort of quietly a very strong team, their fourth final already in 2022. So Zdenek Kolaj now has more uh, challenger doubles titles than Eduard Roger Vasleu. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's in a way more accomplished as a doubles player on the challenger tour, uh, purely. Uh, <laughs> uh, we can move on to Buenos Aires, where Juan Manuel Serundolo won the title over Camilo Hugo Carabey, 6-4, 2-6, 7-5. Serundolo's fourth challenger title, first one since Banyaluka last season. Uh, this week, he beat Nicolas Alvarez, Hernan Casanova, Facundo Bagnis, Mariano Navone, uh, all in straight sets leading up to the final, which was a bit more difficult when, once he got there. Up 30 spots, number 148. What did you think of Serundolo this week? Yeah, he was injured. Uh, he's been injured like all year, so it's super nice to see him back in what I think we could honestly call like almost optimal form. Uh, you know, exacting revenge on Navona, beating Bagnis in straights was pretty huge, and also in the final he had some very nice moments, even though it was you know all over the place. Definitely, uh, he actually almost lost it from five two double break and from five four yeah. zero in the in the deciding set. Honestly, before the final, I thought you were getting a point uh, mm -hmm. because Serundolo just... I, I don't think he has a good matchup against Ocaro Belli in that he can't really hit through a guy like that. But he could. In the in the first set, his forehand was actually super aggressive and he, he had some very nice uh, sustained hitting with it. Then, you know, he, his execution at the net is just... Oh, my God. <laughs> it's clearly not his style, you know? Oh, yeah. And it, yeah, the way he was just missing all these overheads, all these volleys. And Will Carabelli is definitely a guy who, uh, well, uh, takes advantage of that when he sees that. And he obviously knows Juan Manuel very well. So he, he knew that beforehand, but uh, I don't think he expected, even he probably didn't expect how much Juan Manuel was going to struggle at the net. Uh, but he ended up winning this. So, you know, whatever. It's it's not the route that matters. It's the the end result, I suppose. Yeah. What once uh, uh, when uh, Serundolo, I think it was like the break back for four two for Gukarabe, uh He had like a horrible like he's in the middle <laughs> of the court, pumps a forehand like in the bottom half of the net uh, somehow, and I and that that's what I thought. Okay, Ugukarabe could come back here, uh, and and he almost did. He got close. This was their sixth meeting actually, and now they're three three. Uh, one sort of one third set retirement each. Ugu Karabe getting one in Lima uh, last season, and then Serundolo's coming in futures in 2019. Um, but yeah, so, sort of interesting to see how this matchup will go going forward. As for Ugu Karabe, he was my pick. He, it, this was his sixth challenger final, third one in 2022. Uh, on his road here, he beat Dutra da Silva in the first round. Then Otegi got bageled by Otegi in the second round, but then he came back to beat Olivo and Popko. Uh, he drops one spot to number 119. I think he was defending a final as well. 
because uh, it said that he had just two additional points. So I, I, I assume that's what happened there. What did you think of Ugo Karabey this week? Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think about the final. Maybe he had one at the, this time last year. Anyhow, uh, yeah, he, he also exacted a bit of revenge on Olivo, who took him out in Santo Domingo last month. I remember when you picked Ugo Karabelli, I was like, uh, I felt like he wasn't in great form recently. But looking at it, maybe maybe I was a bit too harsh on him because after that Lima final, he did have a, a couple of second round exits, uh, but they were to Olivo and Navone, who played some fantastic tennis in Villa Maria. So, uh, yeah, so, so maybe maybe Lucarabelli was actually doing much better than I, than I figured, and he he probably proved that this week. And yeah, as I said, I think he has a good matchup against Serundolo because on on average, Juan Manuel is probably the better player, but he's just. How does he hit for someone who's defending like that? And and yeah, and it showed in the final that this matchup is just such a big mess. Uh, and and I think Oga Carabelli also did a very fine job luring him into the net and and trying to expose these liabilities. Yeah, and we can go to our semifinals. You mentioned one of them there, Navone, uh, sort of continuing to establish himself in these in these stronger uh, South American another semi this week after a final last week this week he beat Meli Jenny Alves in the first round uh took out Sanchez Jover coming back from a set down beat Seboshville 6-3-6-1 uh what did you think of Navone this week yeah no, no, not as strong of a draw as in as he had in Buena Villa Maria of course uh, but yeah but by now we're looking at Navone differently by now he's actually like almost the favorite against Meli Rodriguez Alves so you know the, everyone is looking at him differently right now and i'm certainly super excited to see what he's going to do with it and with so many south american challengers until the end of the year it feels pretty much certain that we're going to see him in australia as well yeah and the other semifinals was dmitry popko uh maybe a bit <laughs> bit more surprising there um he beat rodriguez taverna uh, in a, in a pretty wild match, seven six, love six seven five. Uh, then he took out uh, Wilson later, uh, before coming back to beat uh, Boruchaga seven five, love love six six two. So he got big old twice. Uh, we'll still we'll cut a bit quite easily six two six one. And, uh, semi-final of the season. <laughs> what did you think of Dmitry Popko? Yeah, a shocking run. He even saved a couple of uh, match points against Rodriguez Taverna. I think he was also 0-3, 50-40 down in the, uh, in the third set. But if there's one thing that Dimitri Popko does, it's, you know, have a lot of uh, weird matches. And I'm not saying all of this is fixing or anything. I'm just saying that he, he tends to have these weird third set battles that go back and forth and it's 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 probably also related to just how he uh, how his focus level can be a bit all over the place. But after losing to Otegui six zero six two to have this run is is quite huge. Uh, by the way, Santiago Rodriguez Taverna had a pretty uh, interesting guest at his match here. Do you do you did you see that on on Twitter or yeah. somewhere? It yeah. was Camila Georgi, who's apparently like a girlfriend of his. <laughs> that, that's pretty interesting what i okay um yeah apparently she came to watch his match um she got uh 
you know. She got her money's worth, let's say that, because it was definitely entertaining, but obviously the, the end result wasn't great for Rodriguez Taverna. But that's quite a pairing. I mean, I would have never pictured them together. They're yeah, also like... Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was just going to say very, very yeah. random. I, I wonder when is the last time that she like watched a match live because she famously doesn't follow tennis. Yeah. Uh, matches. So I wonder if this is like the first time in like five years that she's watched a match live and it's Popko against... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's absolutely hilarious that that she she doesn't watch tennis and then she comes here and watches Popcorn Rodriguez Taverna of all matches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and like she's purely there for for him and and that. I don't think there's anything scheduled for her uh, in in South America at all. No, I doubt uh, it. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, that 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 was that was very interesting. I I did not <laughs> see that mistake. <laughs> Uh, I also wanted to mention uh, Thiago Sebastian, who made the quarterfinals here out of qualifying. Tenti and Reza Silva before uh, beating Nagal 7 5 in the third, then uh, took out that daddy. His first uh, quarterfinal of the season. Any any thoughts on Sebastian here? Um, I honestly didn't watch him that much this week, so I'm not sure if there's anything that, that's improved. Uh, I saw some parts of that Nagal match, it was a bit of a mess. They, they they're both quite far uh, off what they can show, uh, or, you know what they can show at their peak. But I'm, I, I'm definitely surprised with the Dardari win. Seemed like after Dardari beat Korea in the opening round that he'd just be very comfortably straight, you know, into the quarterfinals at least. But it didn't happen. Uh, from what I see, that that that's actually been known for like a while because he was also at the U.S. Open with her. Like I, I think he was playing the qualies, so he just stayed over. But you know, he had to stay a couple of days. And there's a, a graphic from the U.S. Open broadcast where he's uh, Santi Taverna, Camila Georgi's friend. Uh, but you know, it's 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 uh, yeah. So apparently, it is a it is a relation. It is a real relationship. Uh, it's there's a seven year difference between the between the two, uh, mm. which yeah. Never would have feared that, but wow, yeah. Let's let's leave the gossip uh, here. Interesting, yeah. Um, I I don't have a lot of friends for whom I would fly to South America for. Uh, yeah, but... there, there, there's also a um, a picture, a screenshot because at the U.S. Open, Eurosport had these cameras at the entrance, right? So there's uh-huh. actually a screenshot of them kissing. So ah, they they have been caught. Yes. Uh, I believe this has been solved. Uh, <laughs> uh, in the doubles here in Buenos Aires, it was a uh, title for Guido Andreozzi and Guillermo Duran. Six love, seven five, uh, beating Burucha Gandiaz Acosta. Their third title in 2022 for Burucha Gandiaz Acosta, their second final of the season. And we can move into match of the week and upset of the week. Uh, where would you like to start? Uh, maybe let's start with the upset. I think from what I see, the bookies have it as Andreev Mute. I'm not gonna agree with that. I am going to go with uh, I'm gonna go with Mejia over Stricker in Charleston. Uh, mm. Yeah, it was just uh, that you know the extent of it was shocking. How much Stricker was? Well, he he basically didn't want to be out there, and it showed, and it was very disappointing. In general, this has been a a pretty disappointing uh, American swing for him. 
and not even American swing. I guess you could you could also uh, you know you could also incorporate Mallorca into it, and then we have a pretty terrible picture from the from the U.S. Open on, onwards, losing to Goyo, Shelbaich, Mejia, Hijikata, and only beating Locke and Kipson. Uh, yeah, and actually, I'll I'll join you on that one. One and three to Mejia is pretty rough. Originally, I wrote down Gastel Elias over Pedro Kachin, considering I, I I felt like Kachin was a pretty big favorite going into that with Elias' recent form, and then he lost pretty easily to Van Asch the next round. But yeah, Mejia beating Stricker one and three, that's that's pretty rough. So I'll, I'll go with that. Um, my match of the week, I've gone for the final in Buenos Aires. Uh, over Bay. I felt like we had some really nice points there. Uh, there was one, uh, Bay, uh, got like this really great get. Uh, oh, oh, oh like, like, um, the point basically seemed lost. He somehow gets the, the last ball over. Uh, and, and, and I think that like took it to like, what was, was, was that the one that took it to 4 1 maybe? I can't quite remember the scores, but I, I felt like the standard was it was was pretty good, even though Serundolo obviously uh, got exposed a little bit at the net a couple of times. Okay, and I'm gonna go with Andrea Fute, and I'm I, I I can assert in you that it's not because of what happened at the end. The tennis was excellent again. There there was a lot of drama, uh, you know, tennis drama as well. Some fanta- absolute fantastic shots from both sides. Andreev, even though he was already very tired at the end, played a fantastic tiebreaker. Uh, so, yeah, so that's my pick again. I'm saying again because I also picked Andreev Mutei as my match of the week in the uh, when they when they faced in Genoa. Yeah, and as we uh, sort of aforementioned, we have six challenger events this week. Jesus Christ. And no matter wherever you are on the, wherever you are on the globe, you should actually be able to watch challenger tennis like almost 24-7. Uh, for us, it's basically between Guangyu to Tiburon or Campinas. But you know, if you're if you're someplace else, then uh, then you could even uh, start with Parma, finish with whatever. And yeah, it's going to be pretty crazy. Yeah, from the crack of dawn until the next crack of dawn, non-stop tennis. Uh, it's pretty wild. But let's start in Parma, uh, the Challenger 125. I assumed the, the same site that hosted the WTA event uh, last week, but that's just my assumption. Uh, the top seat here is Roberto Carvajas Baena facing Gianmarco Ferrari. Uh, then Giulio Cepieri or Milan Zekic. Francesco Passaro plays Daniel Kovac and then Vitkop Shiva or qualifier. Tomas Martin Echeverri faces Andrea Vavasori and then Stefano Travaglia or qualifier. Andrea Pellegrino plays Josef Kovalik and then Flavio Boli or qualifier. Carlos Tabernet plays a qualifier and then Timofei Skatov or another qualifier. Pablo Andujar plays Gianmarco Moroni and then Ricardo Bonandio or qualifier. And uh, Cecchinato faces Gianluca Mager and then Franco Agamenone or Federico Annaboldi. Dusan Lajovic plays Luca Donash in the, almost certainly the, the most exciting first round here. Uh, and then Nicolas Sanchez Izquierdo or Nicolas David Yonel. In the qualifying, we have Mate Valkus as the top seed with a pretty wild match. It seems like it's against Pirano, love six, six, love six, four. Uh, that's another scoreline that you see often. We also have 
uh, Ajdukovic, Chepeliev is here, Napolitano is here as well, uh, Roka Bataya. But I think we can move on to the doubles where we have Tomislav Brkic and Nikola Chacic as the top seeds. We also have Zdeni Kolaj teaming up with Viktor Vlatkornea. They're actually facing Botolotti and Martos Gornes, which is a pretty strong pairing as well. Uh, Edler Midler play Koboli and Mavasori, which is also very strong first round. Uh, Balaji and Nedunchezian are here. Uh, Kopshiva and Pospishil also in the draw. Uh, Igor Zelenai continuing the quest for the history uh, in Challengers plays as Luis David Martinez. They play Arneodo and Sam Weisborn. Uh, Passaro and Pellegrino are playing together. Johnny O'Mara is here with Philip Oswald as well. So pretty, pretty strong doubles draw. Uh, but back to the singles, who are you looking at for the title here? Yeah, this draw is probably a little weaker than Gleroble Captif, which is which is pretty funny, but that's that's related to the surface, of course. Um I've been going for Francesco Passaro a lot in the past couple of weeks, but probably he's, don't want to do that now. Yeah, he, he's sort of let me down. Uh Lajovic Van Asch, that's that's quite interesting as well. Chakinato plays Mager, you don't really want to go there as well. So you know you, you can think of Passaro. Definitely. Uh, I think I might just go Carbayas Baena, though. It's it's not a perfect draw, but he's been very, very strong whenever we whenever he's won this year. And I think that yeah, he's he's probably just going to be uh the, the best pick anyway here. Uh, I could think of Echeverry, but he's been playing on hard courts a bit in the past few couple of weeks. Um Yes, I I think I'm gonna have to stick with Carbaez uh, Baena. The the only reason why I seem so, I know, not not really happy with my pick is the fact that my aversion against picking the top seeds. That that's like the only reason. Actually, he's the pre- he's the premium pick here, so uh, I should be happy about it. Not not uh, cry about it. Yeah, I've kind of biased by now. It was also the main guy that I was looking at, but I think I'll I'll switch it up a bit and I will go for Echeverri, uh, despite the fact that he's he's stayed on the on the hard court since the US Open. Um, I I feel like Clay just comes so naturally to him that that it's not going to be that harsh of a of a surface switch for him, uh, especially since he he only reached the second round uh, last week in, in Tel Aviv, so he's probably had some time to prepare. Uh, the draw is not easy, uh, I don't think, with, with all these Italians and then Kovalik in there as well. Kovali is dangerous. Uh, but this is sort of the the kind of event that, that he should be excelling at. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here I go with Echeveri. And we move on to the aforementioned Muiron Lekaptif, where the top seed is Yiji Lehechka playing Tim Van Reitoven. And then Yela sells or qualifier. Uh, Clement Tabor plays Otto Vitanen, and then Quentin Alice or Gilles Simon. Very interesting, interesting draw there. Richard Gasquet plays the qualifier, and then Antoine Bellet or another qualifier. Tomasz Machac plays Alexei Vatutin, and then Artur Kazo or Jonas Foretek. Norbert Gombosch plays Antoine Escoffier, and then Artur Fils or Vitali Sachko. Hugo Gaston plays Henri Laksonen, who's sort of struggling to to find some for this season but um he has had indoor heart success before 
winner plays Evan Furness or qualifier. Hugo Grenier plays Vasek Pospichil, who's here with the wild card. Uh, and then Francesco Maestrelli, who's, who's an interesting addition here. <laughs> I wasn't expecting. Uh, or qualifier. JJ Wolf is here as well, playing Daniel Masur, and he could set up an All-American derby in the second round with Jack Sock or a qualifier. Over in the qualifying, uh, we have some names here. We have uh, Brian, who pulled off an upset over Shade, top seed. Uh, Kenny Deschepper is here. <laughs> uh, Matthias Bachinger, I feel like we've not, we've not seen for a while, uh, but he's here. Over in the doubles, we have the Sabanov uh, twins brothers. Um, as the top seeds, we, we also have Raja and, and Sharan. Shimon Valkov plays with Sam Verbeek. Uh, Fowler and Yebens are playing together. Kazan fills on a wild card, Arends and Pell as well. But overall, I, I think weaker doubles draw, but stronger singles field uh, than Parma. Speaking of singles, who are you going for for your title list? Um, Faller, by the way, Faller was just in a in the main tour final, right? Uh, I think this week in in Sofia. No, but that's just you know, nothing, nothing that I uh, that I'm, you know just just came came to mind. Anyhow, uh, in the qualifying, Mats Rosenkrantz lost in the opening round, which is going to be a huge hit for his rankings because this was oh, the yeah. tournament uh, where he reached the semis last year, sort of out of nowhere. Uh, beating uh, Herbert, Mike Schack and Bonzi and lost to Gombosch in a tight match. So that's going to be pretty uh, pretty tough for him. Yeah, it, it, it's an awesome draw. Uh, Simon playing Alice at, uh, at, the, at the beginning of, in, in the opening round. Lehechka van Rijthoven, that's, that's quite a first round. It's uh, pretty shocking that Van Rijthoven with his ranking isn't seeded at the challenger. Yeah, that, that, that sort of caught me off guard. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Definitely. Uh, there's also, uh, yeah, Grenier Pospisil. That's pretty interesting. Also, uh, Pospisil with a wild card, uh, which is a bit out of nowhere here, but you know, he's, he's still a big name, of course. Maestrelli perhaps showing his surface preferences, I, I guess. Uh, JJ Wolf is, yeah, he, he, we're still not used to seeing him in, in, in these sort of events, but. As he's in the top 100 right now, we probably should get used to it. And who am I going for here? Um, I'm basically thinking of Alice again, but I don't know if he can do it back-to-back -back weeks. I am thinking of maybe Gombosch. I am thinking of Hugo Gaston. And I think I might go for him, actually. I, I know he hasn't had a challenger title yet, but he's been a very... Uh, well, whenever he played challengers this year, he's been competitive, so... I think I might go for it because he plays Laxon in the opening round and that, that seems like a virtual buy at this point. Laxon lost to Furness 6-2, 6-0. Um, sorry, or 6-0, 6-2. 6-2, I think, in, uh, in Orléans where he was the defending champion. Then Gaston can play Furness and that's also a good draw. So, yeah, I think I'm going for Hugo Gaston. All right, uh, I'm going to be matching up directly against you within your quarter as I'm going for a little bit on board. Uh, it, it was an interesting week for him last week. Uh, tough match against Blanche. I really liked him in his win over Bills. I feel like the Andrea Bozo was a bit more, I would say, be mental. 
as as a loss there. But I feel like like these are the sorts of events where where you, where you should uh, make a run. Um, the the first couple of rounds I, I like a lot, and Gaston will be obviously tough. Uh, but yeah, here I go with no bad combos. You resisted the urge last time, but now you now you didn't. <laughs> yeah, this time I I gave into it. Uh, gave it to the. <laughs> the the allure of of Gombos. Uh we can go over to Campinas now where the top seed is Daniel Altmaier. Uh he's going to be facing a qualifier and then Daniel Dutra da Silva or Paul Martin Tifon. Uh Facundo Mena plays Sumit Nagal and then one of two qualifiers. Camilo Gucarabe plays Gonzalo Lama in the first round and then Juan Bautista Torres or Nicolas Kicker. Alexander Muller has made the trip over from from Europe. Uh, he's going to be playing qualifier and then Yannick Hanfman or Alessandro Gianessi. Miligini Alves plays Dardari and then Puccinelli Almeida or qualifier. Bagnis plays Popco in the first round and then Eduardo Ribeiro or Tiago Sebosvild. Juan Pablo Fikovic will play uh, Santiago Rodriguez Taverna and then General Alberto Olivieri or qualifier. Juan Pablo Varias plays Gastao Elias. And then Mateus Buerez or a qualifier. In the qualifying, uh, a couple of things that pop out of me are Wilson Leite or Gonzalo Villanueva will <laughs> reach the, the main draw. Although Villanueva was down 1 6 uh, mm. and then had a retirement from Sakamoto. Uh, Jan Choinski is here. Um, we also have Rincon, have uh, Orlando Luz, <laughs> who beat MPG Pericard in the, in the first qualifying round. Uh, but we can go over to the doubles. In the doubles, we have Daddari and Mena as the top seeds. Uh, Andreozzi and Duran, champions last week, are playing. They're actually playing Jan Choinski and Mirko Martinez, who I remember as being like a Swiss junior that I've like not seen his name in so long. Uh, so, so that's pretty interesting. Uh, Popko is playing with Rincon. Meligeni Alves is playing with Puccinelli de Almeida. Um, and we also have Arias and Zebaios. Karol Drzewiecki here as well, playing with Jakub Paul. Uh, back to the singles, though. Who are you looking at for the title? I didn't even realize Karol was there. I've been, I've spent a lot of, um, well, whenever I basically look at um, at challenger draws this this uh, this oh. year, I know that in South America there's not going to be any poles in the doubles and in the singles as well so that's gonna that's gonna change right now I know Matuszewski was there because uh yeah the, 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 I, I knew he had this plan to to go to South America for a couple of weeks but I didn't realize that Trzewiecki was doing it too uh yeah Mirko Martinez honestly I forgot that a guy like that existed if you if you asked me about him yesterday I would say who and yeah, he lost to Remy Bertola here in the in the qualifying as well. Uh, yeah, pro- probably no one that can really win this event in qualifying. Uh, again, it's it's a pretty strong draw. Uh, I don't think Serundolo is playing, right? He, he did he withdrew? No. Yeah, I think he, I think yes, he, must, have, he must have withdrawn. Um, Ukogarabali is playing though. And he actually has a pretty good section, but can he do it in back-to-back weeks? I don't know. Last week I picked Altmaier, but he was a little disappointing, losing to Borujaga in two tight sets. Uh, there's Bagnis, who's definitely a, a possible option as well, even if he's playing Popko in the opening round. Uh, Varias playing Elias. 
I don't want to get into that, especially as Varias, Varias was uh, injured recently, had some uh, light yeah. health issues. So I think I do have to go with Facundo Bagnis here. Uh, it's not a perfect draw for him, uh, but he's been at this sort of, uh, you know, the, the past two weeks he's been at this level where he's been consistently getting uh, a couple of rounds in these in these events. And with the, what I think is a slightly weaker draw in Campinas, I think he can certainly win it. <coughs> Yeah, Bagnis was was also the guy that I was looking at as my primary pick, and I'll actually stick with it this time. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's anybody else uh, that, I, that I like as much as Bagnis in this draw. As you said, uh, sort of a weaker draw here compared to last week in Buenos Aires, and I believe that he can take advantage of it as well. Uh, we can go over to Guangzhou, where play has already started. We've had uh, two main draw results, and then qualifying is all wrapped up. Uh, but we can go over with it. We have Emilio Gomez as the top seed playing Ben Patel, uh, then Mukunsazi Kumar or Seong Chan Hong. Uh, Yu, uh, uh, Yu Bing Wu already got his first round win over San Hui Shin, and then Yoon Seong Chung or Ji Sung Nam, one of two Korean qualifiers. Uh, Mark Pomans got the win over John Millman after retirement in the first round, and he will face either Keegan Smith or Yoris Delur. Brian Penniston plays now Kinakagawa and then Maximilian Neukrist or Doug Healy also qualifying here. Uh, Maximilian Matera plays Marek Engel and then Nicolas Barrientos or Jason Jung. Christopher Eubanks plays Skander Mansuri and then Wissing Park or Jay Clark. Jean Borpiroš is out here as well playing Kimir Kopeyans and then Li Tu or Tunglin Wu. Christopher O'Connor plays Dalibor Svocina and then Rinki Hijikata or Alexander Kovacevic. Uh, obviously, qualifying is all wrapped up. Um, as as I mentioned, see who's in the doubles. Top seeds in the doubles with a bye as well. Barrientos and Reyes Varela, one of the strongest teams this season. We also have Ruben Gonzalez playing with Skander Mansuri, <coughs> uh, who reached the final last week. Yun Seung Chung is playing with Alexander Kovacevic in doubles. Hijikata and Lee Tu also playing together. So is Gengel and Svrchina. Bambi Mineni also here in doubles, uh, as is Galloway Lawson playing Matera and Neukris. So actually quite a strong doubles field as well alongside the singles. But going back to the singles, who are you looking at for the title here? Yeah, um, we have a bit of a head start this time with the qualifiers yeah, and with the with the two major matches that have already finished. Um it's it's not going to help us that much, I think, or maybe one of us was going to pick John Millman. If if one of us was going to do that, then then that's going to happen. But even who beating Shin San Hui, I think, I think it was expected. Uh, and yeah, uh, my thoughts are going exactly to Ibing Wu, I think, and that that's not because he won his first round. That that was pretty much a given. Uh, Ibing has been very cautious with his calendar. <laughs> Of course, and not playing since the US Open. Uh, he needs like a couple of deep runs in challengers to break the top 100. I think this uh, South Korean swing is a very good chance for him. It's, uh, you know, it's a comfortable uh, sort of, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a comfortable place for him. It should be, the level should be not high enough for him to instantly be in trouble in opening rounds of these, these, these events. Wouldn't be surprised to see him claim the title at all. I think he's the prime favorite. 
uh, even though I still have some reservations, like, you know, how, how long can you actually be on a run like like he's been this year? He's still like 30 and now 36 and five for the year, I think. Uh, but I think it can continue for now, especially if he beats Emilio Gomez in the quarterfinals, which is probably his, uh, you know, it, it's probably his biggest rival in the top half of the draw. Uh, and yeah, there's a couple of cracking first round matchups in the in the bottom half, like Mansuri Eubanks, Pirosh Kopeans, maybe even Kovacevic Hijikata. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty huge too. Uh, Tunglin Wu and Litu are pretty funny when they, you know, when they're written uh, together in the in the draw. Uh, that that looks quite weird. Yeah, not the strongest draw, that's for sure. But it's nice to see some challengers in Asia again. Even though that's probably the one that I will be watching the least, just because the time zone is not suitable at all for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm actually surprised by how many Europeans came over to play this event. Uh, it's it's I think stronger than I expected, maybe for for an eighty. Uh, but obviously, it's it's like a whole swing with with bigger events coming up as well. I I believe there's like one hundred, right? Or, yeah, one ten, I think even. Yeah, one ten. So obviously, it's it's part of a whole like like larger scheduling thing. But yeah, de- decently attended event for sure. I'm also going for Yi Bing Wu. He has been one of the best players that we've seen on the Challenger Tour this season. <laughs> the, he's twenty fourth in Elo uh, for this season. Which is just insane. Uh, a, a guy of this level uh, playing on the challenge tour. So, as you said, Emilio Gomez in the quarterfinal will be tough. One of his biggest challenges, I think, in the whole draw uh, to make it out of his quarter, even. But I, I like once he beats him, he he should make it to the final for sure because there there isn't much in that second uh, section, and then he'll he'll uh, face whoever comes out of that bottom half. So yeah, he being wolf for me as well. So I checked and Seoul is a 110 indeed, but Busan is a 125 even. So we might expect some much stronger South Korean draws in the in the near future. And by the way, uh, Ibing Wu at 24th in the ELO rankings. Uh, is that too high, too low, accurate? I it, it's I'm 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 not ready to make that call, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like it's 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 not. I don't think it's too high. He, he has been really really good, uh, but there are obviously question marks because he has played so sort of sparingly and and he has been cautious and rightfully so. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I I I, I, I don't think it's like outrageous for him to be at twenty fourth. I think it is slightly too high. I'm not sure how by how much, but. At 24, really, I think played uh, what three main tour matches all year, and kind of you know not not really killing guys like uh, who was it Borges and um ah Basilashvili okay he killed that one but Basilashvili hasn't won a set since the summer so yeah I, I don't know uh, I I think that's slightly too high uh, a bit of an overreaction but you know that's how Elo works. Uh, you take the the results that you get, and yeah, you factor in the strength of the opponents. And well, if you're winning, uh, what is it? Uh, seven out of eight, eighty-eight and point five percent of uh, your matches, that, that, then you're gonna be pretty high. Yeah, and, 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 and it's factoring into his elo, he's twenty-one and two, which is ah, you, uh, so, so because you, no, no ITS, you, right? You, 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 
uh yeah so so he, he is above guys he, the, like here Kachanov, Isner, Nakashima, Tommy Paul, Jack Draper, Ilya Ivashka is 30. That that mm. that that's sort of like the guys that are directly mm-hmm. below him. Uh but yeah, when you take a look at the guys above him, Monfis, Cameron Nori, Ubet Hurkaj, maybe it is slightly too high. Maybe maybe he'd be more suitable to sort of 30-ish. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, we can go over to Tiburon, uh, where the top seed is Dennis Kudla playing Brandon Holt, uh, who obviously had a big US Open. I'm excited to see what he does here. Uh, then they, whoever wins will face Landro Riedi or Patrick Kipson. Enzo Kwako plays Charles Brune, and then one of two qualifiers. Ben Shelton is here as well, playing Roberto Quiroz, and then Sam Riffis or a qualifier. Mitchell Kruger plays Mikhail Pervolarokis. Uh, and then Niklas Mejia or a qualifier. Ernesto Escobedo plays Jonas Eriksson Zivets. And then Evan Zhu or Valentin Vachero, who was your pick last week. I, I forgot about that yeah. uh, before I checked. <laughs> Michael Moe plays Benjamin Locke. And then Zachary Sveda or a qualifier. Yun Cheng Shang is here as well, playing a qualifier. And then Govinanda or Paul Jubb. Stefan Kozlov, after withdrawing from Charleston, is here this week. Plays Giovanni Oradini and then Alexis Galeno or Sebastian Fancelo. Uh, in the qualifying, some interesting names for sure. Uh, Donald Young uh, beat Omni Kumar again and he plays Luke Saville for, for a spot in the main draw. Saville beat Martin Dam. Um, Christian Laimo uh, is, is looking to get back to back Mayo wins after beating Keenan Mayo. Uh, he will now face Aiden Mayo. Uh, Nick Chappelle is here as well. Uh, Evan King he plays Daniel Glinka. Uh, Darian King, who I, I thought he retired, uh, but he got a wild card here, plays tennis, uh, played tennis Sangren, now plays August Holmgren, uh, who's also an exciting prospect for sure. Um, in the doubles, we have Cash and Patton as the top seeds. Uh, Kudla is playing with Ben Shelton, which is an interesting pairing for sure. I, I look forward to watching them. Uh, Escobede and Mejia have teamed up. Benjamin and Courtney Locke are playing together. Andrew Harris and Luke Saville. Uh, <coughs> but yeah, Cash and Bat would be the biggest favorites for the title. Back to the singles, though, who are you looking for the title there? Yeah, good you mentioned Holgren because he was actually in such, uh, in such good form in Charleston. I, I really regret that we didn't get to see him uh, playing against who who was it going to be Michael Moe, I think uh, that that would have been one of the one of the best matches of the round and and uh, I was very excited to see how he would fare in this one because we haven't really had the chance to uh, to see him play guys of of Moe's quality outside that San Diego qualifying and lucky loser uh, run last year. Uh, yeah, but um, I don't think he's going to win this event, but he could certainly go deep in it. Although Darian King, you never really know what to expect. He hasn't been playing but much. He, I think he recently he only played Davis Cup, actually, against Ireland. So uh, so you don't really know what to expect from Darian King. Anyhow, looking at the players, who can I pick here? I think there's one guy that just instantly grabs my attention. Uh, it's it, it isn't Stefan Kozlov, whom I picked a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he might actually be losing to Oradini. Oradini has been getting some very fine results here. 
Yun Cheng Shang is a possibility, of course. Um, not sure if I like the draw that much against Nanda or Jab, but you know, it's Yun Cheng Shang, you should get through it. Mo is an option. There's there's a there's a lot of players that could go well, could do well. Good La Holt is a is a very good opening round. But I think I'm just gonna go with Ben Shelton. Uh we haven't seen him since the US Open. Uh I was actually kind of starting to think about like where where is Ben Shelton? I I realized at some point that <laughs> yeah that that he has been missing from the tour for a for a while there, uh, which uh, you know obviously he gave up college to to be here, and yeah even though uh, you know the the draw is fine, Giros is a is a decent first round opponent, I'm I'm sort of you know there's a degree of uncertainty in me because he hasn't played in a while. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be as good as he was when we la- when we last saw him. Maybe his form disappeared or something. But you know the the talent that is there, and I think it's enough for me to pick Ben Shelton to win Tiburon. Yeah, Ben Shelton was also my my number one pick. Uh, but I'm going to go a different direction, as you mentioned. There, there's a, there's a number of fine players uh, who I believe could win this tournament. And I'm going. For, I'm going to go for Yunqing Shang. Uh, he has been very strong this season. Uh, obviously, won won Lexington, <laughs> made the final in in Granby, uh, lost to uh, Jordan Thompson last time out when in the second of carry, which is fine. Uh, the draw, yeah, I'm not overly concerned. Job is pretty good, uh, but yeah, Kozlov is is you know for has, has absolutely disappeared. Uh, as have his hopes of reaching the top 100, I think, in his career. Um, and yeah, I feel like he should, he should definitely make it out of the section into the semis at least and should have a decent chance of winning. And we close out in Alicante. Uh, as long as I open this draw. And the top season in Alicante uh, is Fernando Vedasco playing João Dominguez and then Salvatore Caruso or Oleksii Krutik. Uh, Lukas Klein plays Kasper Buk. Uh, so, uh, imagine I'm very excited for sort of feels like our, our not not like favorite players, but I I feel like players that we're quite quite in, invested in. Yeah, uh, I, honestly, I feel the, like I'm pretty yeah. invested in both of them. But but Zuk more, of course. Yeah, yeah. and Zuk just won a 25k. Uh, I don't know if you if you know that. Yeah, no, I I I, I saw that. So, so 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 it should be an interesting first round. It, it isn't just a struggling Kasper Juk uh, coming in here, but the winner of that will have to face Michael Hertz, uh, who's who's been very strong this season as well, or Martin Landaluce. Uh, Dimitar Kuzmanov plays a qualifier, and then Daily Blanche or Billy Harris. Fabian Marojan plays a qualifier, and then Lorenzo Justino or another qualifier. Raul Brancaccio uh, plays a qualifier, and then Benjamin Hassan or Frederic Ferreira Silva. Uh, Matteo Arnaldi plays Ulysses Blanche with a wild card. I wonder what the what the Blanches did to deserve these wild cards in Alicante. There's also I, another I, one I, in, I, the, I, in the qualifying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I feel like they like even last year they were they were quite famous for selling uh, these wild cards probably. Uh, so yeah, Arnaldi plays Ulysses Blanche and then Robin Hasse or Jesper De Jong. Uh, Emilio Nava is here playing Harold Mayo and then one of two qualifiers, Jeffrey Blancano plays Nick Hart and then Gabriel de Camps or Nicolas Alvarez Varona. In the qualifying, um, we have Philippe Cristian Giano 
Buyun Chalkete also uh, could could get into the main draw here. Uh, Federico Gallo, Santuan, uh, bless you. Uh, Pelivo lost the uh, lost the first round here, and yeah, as you said, Darwin Blanche also in the qualifying won two games against Santuan. Over to the doubles, we have Hasse Olivetti playing uh, Blanca Nohertz, which is a pretty strong first round. We have another Blanche here, uh, Daily Blanche playing with Diego Alberto Sanchez in the on on on, on the wild card. Uh, Margaro Emenendez Maceras, interesting pairing. Uh, Manafov Picotco uh, uh, here as well, who I've spoken about even in good form. But back to the singles, who are you looking at for the title here in Alicante? Yeah, I'll just I'll just mention that Darwin Blanche uh, has just turned 15, I think. So obviously oh, wow. he had a very, a very rough one against Santiago, <laughs> but he was the runner-up at Kalamazoo under-16s as a 14-year-old this year. So, you know, quite a promising guy. Uh, the Blanche family is is definitely something uh, to look at. They they have the, the three brothers and also a sister, Crystal, who's going the college way. I think she'll join, I uh, can't remember what school, but some school at the beginning of 2023. So, um, yeah, four kids, all tennis players, uh, which is which is pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, and who am I going for here? I so want to see. I mean, I, I'm not saying this is my winner pick, not even close. But I, I'm so excited to see how Martin Landaluce is going to do against Hertz. This is actually his pro debut. Not only challengers, no, it's actually his pro debut as as a whole. Um, the U.S. Open champ was was looking amazing in New York. And uh, just had a very, very like almost pro-ready game, uh, which uh, it doesn't mean I think he'll beat Hertz because it's it's just a big step, and he can't really produce it consistently yet. But there's there's really a lot of potential in how how he will probably, uh, you know, in in a, in a couple of years he could he can translate it to the pro tour easily. I think, but we'll see. Um, yeah, and th- there's not really. There aren't many guys who are like strong favorites here. Well, basically none of the seeds are like, I know, I'm certain that they will get far. Um, if if it was a clay event, I'd probably go, be going for Maroshan, I think, but it's not. And honestly, I, I, I didn't expect this. I didn't think this would happen. I f- came into this draw thinking that I was just going to probably pick some some seed and you know be happy with it but this thought originated in my mind and i have to do it now i'm going to pick kasperzuk what <laughs> <laughs> yes i mean it, it's it's possible it, it, it's not easy but it's possible he's he is on a five match win streak and he beat uh, guys like Stuart Parker in that Falun run, uh, Karl Freiberg. Also, uh, there was one more big name. Who was it? Uh, Henry, Henry Squire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think and, any. Are, I don't think any of them are as good as Lukas Klein or Hert. Oh, I, I, or I, I, don't, I don't think they are either. But if Zhuk beats Klein, it's possible. I think if he beats Klein. He has a very, very good draw to go deep here. Obviously, he, he'd need to play much better than he's been most of the year. 
But if he beats Klein, I actually like his chances to go deep here. It's not as stupid as you think it is. It, it is a little stupid, but there's also like, you know, look at the draw. Who are you going to pick here? I legit have no clue. I think you might go for Emilio Nava again, but see what Emilio Nava did in Charleston. <clears throat> well, I mean, I, I would just like to, because obviously Juke has won uh, an, an ITF. I, I assume it was a 25k earlier this yeah. season in, in August. TBDs, after yeah. which he went winless until this 25k title. Uh, so I don't think that they winning five matches in a row on the night team particularly matters. I think it's an interesting pick. Uh, I'm gonna go with Jeffrey Blancano, uh, who I, I've been sort of in, impressed with in, in in recent weeks. He's he's been all right. Uh, lost to the eventual titleist Wessler uh, last week in in Sofia, and, and got wins over Hassa and Seppi on their hard. Uh, he he made the same in Istanbul and when it's set up on Albot. So Blancano out of these options feels like the most like yeah reasonable for me. Um <laughs> yeah, but you know, this this is what I meant. Blancano, yeah, he's just unimpressive. And I, I if I if I if I have to pick a guy like that, honestly, I'd rather pick Zhuk and have fun with it. And if he does it, I'm gonna be the Prediction king for the, for right. the rest of the year, no matter the score in our in our competition. Although you, obviously, you know, it would you know if Juke wins this one, we'll count it as two wins. Oh, fantastic! Go. Thank you. You must be very confident in the in the fact that Kasper Juk won't win it. I'm actually, you know, th- this is just part of my plan to give you uh, some sort of random picks to read out at the end of the year. No, when yeah. to, to laugh, to laugh, or to laugh me off at the at the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, that's that's where we're gonna finish for this week. Uh, thank you for listening. If you stayed until the end, thank you for listening. If you left uh, in the middle as well, but you're not gonna hear my gratitude. And yeah, and we're gonna be here in a week to discuss uh, the events in Jesus Parma, Willeron Le Captif, Tiburon, Campinas. Guangyu and Alicante. See ya. Bye.